Thought Warriors. What is up? High learning is on. It's I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, you sound sick. Why you always got to put my business out there like that, man? They can hear that. I'm just a little, you know what? I could have had a late night. Right. You know, I get a hoarse voice after a good night, good weekend. Um, yeah, I'm under the weather. I think all this rain that came in messed with my allergies yeah. and sinuses. So no COVID, took the test, but I feel I feel symptomatic like like COVID. I'm over here drinking Theraflu right now. Drinking Theraflu? Mm-hmm. You feel symptomatic like COVID? Yeah, because my body's my body hurts. Hold on for a second. I got to put this on for this podcast. Why? Today. What's happening? I'm sick of being fucked with. I got to put it on, man. How long have you? I'm tired of being played with. How long have you had that? Huh? How long have I had this right here? Yeah. Why, Rachel? Rachel, why are you asking me about my hat? Well, it's not a hat. For the people who are watching the video, please tell them what's on your head. It's not just a hat. Got a koofy, man. What okay. does it say? I got a... It don't say nothing. Oh, I thought those white. Fact that you... I thought those white lines were words. The fact that you, uh... the fact that you're reacting so so I just... poorly to I'm it. Not poorly i just you're the one who said today i gotta put on one of these never seen you wear a koofy didn't know you owned a koofy i'm amused you don't think i'm down you don't think i'm down go ahead i get down go ahead my brother speak speak my brother speak yeah uh <clears throat> so what's up with you What's going on with your weekend? What you got going on? I got to go to Vegas tomorrow to interview Jimmy Kimmel. They're opening up. Oh, the guy. Yeah, they're the opening man. up a comedy club out there. Jimmy Kimmel's comedy club? Mm-hmm. A reopening it up. I'm going down to Vegas on Friday. Coming right back on Saturday. Going to chill. And then, you know, I'm thinking I might have some people come over Sunday for the Cowboys game. Cowboys versus the Packers. You want to come? No, because nah. you you don't ruin the energy. I, I, if I come over there, it'll be I would be first of all, I haven't been watching that much NFL, which I'm happy about. You know what I mean, I've been able to stay away from it. But if I come over there, I'm gonna be dressed head to toe in Packers gear. You know what? I am coming. No, no, no. Do you even own Packers gear? I'll go get some. You know what? Don't come. I'll go get some. Lose my address. No, no, I'm no. That's all right. No, I know where you stay. <laughs> Lose. I'm my coming address. to your shit. I'm coming to your shit. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna bring some random niggas with me too. Any thought warriors that are in LA that want to come to Rachel's house with me and 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 support the Packers? Come over here support, if you want. Support the God Aaron Rodgers. You know what I'm saying? Immunize, immunized Roberts. Anybody who wants to who wants to go over there and, and, and fuck with us, come fuck with us, man. Not We're us. Going to Rachel what crib. you mean us? <laughs> man, the whole you ain't the whole here. lot of us. You ain't going, going. here. Y'all grilling out. I don't know. I haven't really told Brian yet. How you just going to see what I'm saying? <laughs> I really told Brian. See what I'm saying? I just thought I have a couple of Cowboys fans. Some of my girls come over. We watch. Super chill. I might, Donnie. It might be a Wingstop day. I'm eating Wingstop wing right stop. now. 
Tell y'all we need a wing stop. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, Donnie, I'm eating wings stop right now. Donnie, don't let him. Do it. <laughs> I mean, Donnie, what flavor? Turn your camera what flavor, on. Donnie? You chicken wings, eating ass, nigga. I got, uh, what Donnie, flavor? Turn lemon your... pepper and uh, that yes. Korean, <laughs> Korean. Donnie, vacation. Yeah, no, no, it's the Korean. Donnie, thing. put your put your put your camera oh, on real quick. Okay. Chicken eating, nigga. Show everybody. It's dark. Let, let's, Show everybody your wing That's stop. That's right. You better lick the fingers, Donnie. Look, look, look at Donnie. Show everybody your wing but, uh, stop. You chicken I'm nigga. I'm like halfway he froze. through. He froze. Oh, he froze because you know why he froze? Why? He froze because that chicken hitting his ass so good. Damn. Donnie, Donnie's probably the worst how, neighbor for all of these white people in there. Look, look how happy he looks. I was just about to say, look, look how happy he is. <laughs> look how happy he looks. That's how I look when I have. Look how happy Donnie looks. Oh, man. Look at that. Damn. Donnie, you look so Damn. happy on the frozen picture. You look so happy. Chicken Donnie. you like Chicken George. Don't chicken do Donnie. Chicken Let me turn George. my camera off. Chicken Donnie. It's my chicken. Nigga sitting up there. They probably people will walk by his house. There he is, right there. There's that goddamn Beecham. There's that goddamn Beecham. That chicken eating nigger. Look at him. Right that Koofy right has now. you wilding out. We are we are five minutes into the podcast. And you already on. Oh man, I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of the, I'm sick of a lot of shit. Which man. story? You which them, story made you put the Koofy on? The Steven Crowder story. We'll oh, get to it. Oh shit. We did oh sorry. I saw that on your social. I didn't even see that in the rundown. Nah, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna talk about it a little bit. I'm sick of this fucking shit. Smack a motherfucker in his shit. You know what? No violence. No violence. There's also no violence. I'm not smacking nobody. I'm just saying, fuck, man. This is goddamn shit. I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. Uh is LSU playing? Yeah, so I'll definitely be watching the game. Right. Um I'll definitely make sure I watch. Uh, oh no, Garrett Nussmeyer. Watch what? You know what I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer. I watch Jordan Allen. Okay, fan. What? You're just gonna watch LSU. You're just gonna watch. I'll LSU. watch Noah Kane. I'll watch Landon Ibietta. You know what I'm saying? I'll watch all of these people. You don't know what I'm going to do. Um, we haven't talked about Copper that much recently. Have you been feeding him? <laughs> Oh my gosh, last night. What happened? Copper's right here at my feet. Last night, I went to the game last night. Brian comes home, maybe Lakers and Clippers. Brian comes home maybe like 30 minutes after me. And he takes a picture of, I had ordered an Instacart. I had a sweet tooth. I wanted some cookies. They replaced it with some cupcakes. I didn't eat them. I forgot that they were in the bag on the floor. They've been sitting there for two days. Copper and Brownie are at home all day. Nothing happens. I leave for 30 minutes. Brian comes, Brian sends me a picture. The cupcake box is open and all the cupcakes have been eaten. And I was like, Brian, you got to go to the vet. Half those were chocolate. And we didn't know who ate Brownie. I know Copper did most of it. We didn't know if it was Brownie or Copper. So Brian had to rush them to the animal hospital and sit there. So they had to pump their stomachs. Be, figure out who ate the chocolate. So that's what Copper's doing. Are they okay? Yeah, he's fine. Are they okay? Yeah, he's he's fine. It's not the first time he's gotten in the chocolate. He's a he's a trooper. Remember, Copper's from these streets. I told you that. He's got a really strong stomach because, you know, he was living out here for a while. Uh, so he's fine. I stayed at home with the dogs today to, to monitor them. They're doing good. 
Bozeman, um, I had a woman send me some pralines mm. back in the day. Mm. And then they were in the other room. And I didn't even realize that he had eaten them. But like his Kalik is like, look, his 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 shit is nutty. It's like nutty. I'm like, what? I'm like looking at it, it's like, you don't think you don't see that's like that nuts in it. And I'm like, nah, it's just together. She said, nah, it's nutty. He had eaten all the pralines. All the pralines. But he was okay. He was okay. They told And there were some chocolate ones in they there. They said And we yeah, there was some chocolate ones. He he was okay. He was all right. They said bigger dogs are usually going to be fine. They just might have GI issues. It's the little dog that you have to worry about. And they gave a long list of things with Brownie. Everything fucks with Bozeman's stomach. Everything. Purebred. Yeah, whatever. Purebred, whatever, man. That's, that, that he a fucking G. How about that? I love Bozeman. All right. Let's do this. Let's go ahead. We got a guest on the show later on, Isaac Hayes, the third from Fanbase. Yes. His father is Isaac Hayes. Shaft, give me a little shaft right now, Donnie. As I as I talk about Isaac Hayes coming on the show, we have Isaac Hayes out of Atlanta coming on the show. He's a bad motherfucking developer. He developed a social network called Fanbase, fan where you blacks can get on <laughs> Fanbase, where you blacks can get on Fanbase. It's an alternative to Twitter. It's an alternative to Instagram. Shut your mouth. I'm talking about fan base. Fan base. <laughs> <laughs> so Isaac's going to be on later. Fan base, you can actually get paid for your stuff. And they're still taking um, VC money for fan base. So if you want to invest, you can. Fan base is a big deal. And if you're looking for an alternative to Twitter, we're going to have Isaac Hayes on a little bit later. But we have to get to the big deal of the day, which is, of course, the midterm elections. Other side is break. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Rach, midterms happened. Yeah. Some people predicted a red wave. Some people said that the red wave did not happen. We are still waiting for all of the results of this of these midterm elections to shake out. Mm-hmm. Rachel, what are your thoughts? I might be a little pessimistic, but I'm not understanding why we're going on a celebration tour from the results of the midterms. I sat 
and watched Biden give somewhat of a victory speech. I started my morning with Morning Joe. Thereafter, followed uh, watching other news networks cover the aftermath of the midterms as we still wait for these key states, Arizona, Nevada. They've called Wisconsin at this point, Georgia. And I'm sorry, excuse me, y'all. This is gross. (laughs) I'm so congested. You get your shit together, Rachel. No, no, really. Sorry. Excuse me, y'all. I'm under the weather. That was disgusting. Donnie, please clean that up. Um, okay, so I'm watching everybody talk. About, I, I guess when I turned on the TV, I was shocked in the way that they were covering the midterms, particularly the more liberal leaning stations. Everybody is celebrating at the fact, and I get to a point, the red wave didn't come, that it seems that people have turned on Donald Trump in the sense that they didn't back the candidates that Donald Trump, most of the candidates that Donald Trump was campaigning for. And it seems that the country is in favor of abortion rights. So I get that. And I get the fact that, you know, more people, independents voted blue. I I understand all of that, that, the, that Gen Z came out. But we're celebrating. And I'm not understanding when I look at the the graph and I look at the chart. It is projected that the Republicans are going to take control of the House and nobody's talking about that. And I and I I keep changing the channel and trying to understand that nobody's talking about that. Even with the Senate, we picked up Democrats picked up one seat that they didn't have before. But right now, as it stands, it's 49 to 48. And as it stands right now, Georgia's going to a runoff December 6th. Nevada, Democrats are losing. And in Arizona, it's an extremely tight, close race in the Senate, even though the Democrats are winning currently. So I don't, so it's a, it's a big possibility that we could lose the Senate as well. I don't understand this. I don't think it's a big possibility that we can use, I, lose. The there are a number of votes that still need to come in. I think Nevada's gone. And I think there's a number of votes that still need to come in with Arizona. And it's so close. Then that's 50. And then 49, possibly in Georgia. And that's that race mm-hmm. is closer than that should be. So I guess I'm more confused as I watch you asking my reaction to all this at why there seems to be this celebration when we're not talking about the fact, maybe celebrating the future and what's to come, maybe celebrating the fact that history has shown that usually the party that's in office, there's a wave of the opposite party and that didn't happen that way. But it does look Mm -hmm. like, that does currently look like at the moment that the House is going to go back to the Republicans and it is a possibility the Senate, the Senate, we lose the Senate as well. So I don't understand why there isn't more talk about that. Like currently, what is going to happen to Congress huh. in the Senate? Um, so, so I think you 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 hit the nail on the head. I think that what people were looking for, and I think to be honest with you, not just the left leaning, uh, the left leaning political talking heads or the left leaning political organizations. I think some of the right leaning ones too. I think that what they were expecting was a much more direct. A mandate or a much more direct message from the American people about the direction of their country. And they thought that that was going to go in their favor. Um, there was actually uh, a, a woman named Myra, Myra Flores. You guys know her from down there in South Texas. You know Myra Flores. She's 
a Trump, uh, the, one of the Trumpiest of Trumps. <laughs> and she predicted a red wave. And she said, hey, the red wave didn't happen. She said Republicans and independents stayed home um, and the red wave didn't happen. I think Democrats were hoping for the worst. I mean, there's a little bit of spin in there. Let's be honest. There's a little bit of spin in there. Mm. There's a little bit of spiking the football that doesn't exist. And there's still a lot of things that are up in the air. You're right. But I think people, I think Democrats were fearing the worst. I think the left was fearing the worst. And it's pretty obvious that the worst did not happen. I think a lot of people are looking towards the future and saying, what does this mean uh, for the future of American politics? Like you said, does this mean that, is this a significant blow in into the, the ass of Trumpism? Does this mean that Trumpism has less staying power than maybe we thought before? I'm not one to actually believe that. I don't think that that's true at all. I think that uh, I think that if Donald Trump wants the uh, the the nomination for um, president for the for for the presidency, I think yeah, if he if he wants that, then he's going to get it. And I think that he's going to be a scary and very viable candidate for it. Yeah, um, I you think too. that. Uh, I do. I think that he I think that he lose, but I think that it's going to take that same effort to get out and beat Donald Trump uh, in 2024 that it took in 2020. So everybody would have to be on the same page. I only say that because when we kind of touched on this in the last podcast with the Trump and the DeSantis of it all. But the way that DeSantis won and um, DeSantis won in uh, Florida and the way that he turned Miami-Dade so quickly in the last four years People are predicting that that's kind of a showing that there's a new leader in the party and he might want to jump on it while he's got this momentum behind him. When it looks like and every media outlet seems to be covering it this way, that Trump has lost his steam. Ron DeSantis cannot win a general election for president. He can't. Why do you Donald Trump has. I just I, I think. Because, number one, he's going to get injured by Donald Trump. He's if Donald Trump would do so much damage to Ron DeSantis before the general that the right would be fractured. And even and it doesn't take a hard it doesn't take a lot of people on the right to injure a candidate enough to where they're not viable in the general. Right. The Democrats are going to run a weak, uh, weak candidate, which is Joe Biden. And when I, I'm sorry that you guys are going to be mad that I say this, but he's not the strongest candidate uh, to beat anyone right now. OK, um, he's vulnerable in a lot of different things, probably deserves a little bit more credit than he gets, but he's vulnerable in a lot of different things. It's fair. This is the way it is. But uh, I don't think Ron DeSantis has a shot. I think Mike Pence has zero shot. He's a corpse. I think the only viable candidate they have is Donald Trump. And I don't know how much of a shot Trump has, but I know it's better than the rest of those people. I, you know you know what I mean? I think uh, I think if, if people were looking for one thing, they were looking for uh, the right to deliver a clear message about where they stand. And it doesn't seem like they did that. They don't you know have I mean? a clear and message. It, they don't have they don't have a clear message. And it seems like there's a little turmoil here is Donald Trump. If, in fact, this uh, sort of tepid wave, this um, pink trickle, as it's been called, if, in fact, this means that Trump is is less uh, is weaker than we thought he was. Does that mean that the Republicans are going to need to Donald Trump to get on program in order to win in 2024? 
Is there a world where Donald Trump mm-hmm. ever endorses Ron DeSantis? Is there a world where Donald Trump combines force with can can Donald Trump do what's right for the party or can Donald Trump do what's right for Donald Trump? I think all of those things are questions you have to ask when you're looking at this stuff. Um, I want to talk about some specific races. Okay. Not even in, and I'm not talking about specific Senate races. Obviously, we're going to talk about what happened down in Georgia. We're going to talk about the Senate race and we're going to talk about the uh, gubernatorial race. Um, But before we do, are you up on what's happening right now here in Los Angeles with Karen Bass and Rick Caruso? Uh, well, which part? I know I know that it's a close race. I know that obviously a lot of celebrities have come out and they've been coming out about Caruso and there's getting to be a lot of backlash towards that. Is that the part you're talking about or what do you want? I'm saying so right now, let's look at where the race is. Caruso's up. That's yesterday, though. There might be a... Uh, the, at the last update, Caruso had 51.25% of the votes. Karen Bass had 48.75% of the votes. Okay? Rick Caruso, Karen Bass. Um, that's yesterday. There's still a lot of votes left to be counted, but it, it's looking increasingly like Rick Caruso is going to be the next mayor of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I mean, well, other than him referring to himself as Latin, which we played on the podcast, which was (laughs) a lot. um, I think that people aren't really paying attention. I mean, the, the fact that this guy changed his political affiliation very recently to win, to me, or to win, not to win, to run, to me comes across like a guy who's very powerful, who has it all, and wants power in a completely different way. Maybe bored with the current s- setup of his life because he's done so much and been successful in that and now it's like i want to be powerful in this regard i know a lot of celebrities have come out in support of him particularly on his stance with crime and homeless homelessness and then they're saying well you know karen bass hasn't done anything and you know the the democrats in office before haven't done anything and this is a guy who's talking about change and talk about him almost in the same way that people talked about trump oh he's not a he's not a career politician he's gonna come in he's gonna shake things up he's gonna do things in a different way i'm not buying it i'm not down Uh for it i voted for karen (laughs) i voted for karen as well so there there are um i don't want to speak too soon because they're only 44 percent Percent of the votes that are counted That's, right now, Rick Caruso has about a it's twelve thousand dollars, twelve thousand vote lead. What? When What's I wild? was when I went to vote, they said because I like to vote in person. They said uh-huh. if you're not registered, you can register right now and do a provisional ballot. And I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder yeah, it's going to take, take a, long. a long time. You could vote that same day. I mean, register and vote that same day. So yeah, it's going to be a hot minute. Um. So we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully, uh, Karen's able to pull that out, but Rick Caruso seems to be very viable right now. Uh, Mandela Barnes loss in Wisconsin. Ron Johnson defeated Mandela Barnes in some Mandela Barnes in some gubernatorial races. Greg Abbott defeated oh, Beto O'Rourke, and by a um, lot too. 
Come on, yeah. y'all. Come on. Um, <laughs> go for it. No, 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 no. I just don't understand what's wrong with Texans. Even in, in they were, I don't know if you saw this, it was trending on Twitter. They were talking about Uvalde, Uvalde and how that county voted for Greg Abbott. And you saw how dismissive and uh, it didn't, you know, he didn't even attend funerals. He went to the NRA. He's, you know, he stood by guns instead of standing by his own constituents in this case. Uh, it's just wild to me how people are s- just aligning themselves with either specific issues and not paying attention to the person and how detrimental they are as a whole. I just, uh, so sad. Fetterman won. Fetterman yes. defeated Dr. Oz. So, yes. Um, that was one of probably the most high profile races that was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of press. Fetterman was able to win. We'll talk about Georgia now and the fact that we are going to be in a runoff between Warnock and Herschel Walker. The polls had this as a dead heat. And for the most part, the polls were right. It's a dead heat down there in Georgia. There is a shit ton that's going to happen in December, I believe. There's a shit ton of work that has to be done. Uh, we're hoping to get Raphael Warnock on this podcast. We're hoping to get anyone from down there in Georgia who wants to talk about the fact that that is a seat that simply cannot be controlled by Herschel Walker. Um, I think Herschel Walker's political career is in and of itself um, just a perfect example of the unseriousness of the American political system now, like the unseriousness of the electorate and sometimes the unseriousness of uh, politics themselves. I mean, Herschel Walker is a liar, a hypocrite, as a lot of human beings are. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, something wrong with it, but I think a lot of people are. Nobody's perfect, but I think the things that he's lying and hypocritical about are things that affect so many people's lives that he's used when we're talking about abortion, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, fact that he's mm-hmm. used abortion to uh, not affect the convenience of his life, but he wants to make sure that women don't have the, to, the right to make that same choice about their lives, even if they are really ill or even if they've been raped. Mm. Yeah. Just crazy, crazy stuff. That's, that's, crazy stuff. Shame on all y'all. Who voted for yeah. Herschel Walker? I don't, yeah. I don't know how you it's woke up that though. morning and decided to do that or meld in your ballot too. It's not over. It's not over. And we've seen the runoff before. We've seen the runoff before. Yeah. But still, before. Not, not with Herschel. Okay. Uh, now let's talk about the gubernatorial race down there in Georgia. Stacey lost. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams lost to Brian Kemp. Um... Your thoughts? It's just sad. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh my, I, one, I guess I thought that the race would be a lot closer. And listen, Stacey Abrams speaks for herself. We've had her on this podcast. You know who she is. You know her dedication and commitment to the state of Georgia, to democracy, to just really wanting to represent people in this country. Well, in the state of Georgia, in this case, um, so it's just a shame that Brian Kemp won. It's I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. I, I don't know. I can't even say I don't know how it didn't happen. I mean, Georgia is a red state. It's not shocking that he won, but it is disappointing that people didn't come show up and show out for Stacey Abrams. 
So Georgia is not, I wouldn't call Georgia a red state. Mm. I wouldn't mm. call Georgia a red state. What is it, purple? I'd call Georgia a purple state. Okay. It's, it's a, a state that has two, the state that has a Democratic governor, uh, excuse me, a Republican governor, but has two Democratic senators and went for Biden. So I'd call that firmly a purple state. Mm, okay. We're talking about right well, we now. We went back. We went back. Yeah. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I think this says. And there were a lot of conversations about uh, Stacey's campaign and the support that she was getting or the support that she wasn't getting. Right. Uh, the numbers came out. Uh, did you see the memes, the graphics about Stacey Abrams and her support? The demographic, the demographic breakdown of her support. Did you see that? No. Uh, yeah. So obviously, people were wondering. Um, whether or not black men would support Stacey Abrams. Correct. Because people were talking about that. It was a thing. People were like, yo, uh, is she going to struggle with black male voters? Is she going to struggle with, with uh, to get men, black men specifically, to support her? Is that going to be a thing? It turned out that it wasn't as much of a thing as people thought it was going to be. All right, so we're going to break this down for you in terms of demographics. Here we go. So of who voted for Kemp or who voted for Stacey Abrams. So white men, um, she got 23% of the white male vote. She got 30% of the white female vote. Uh, white men went for Kemp, 76%. White women went for Kemp at a 72% clip. Black men voted for Abrams at an 84% clip. Um, black women voted for Abrams at a 93% clip. Latino men voted for 55%. Latino women, 55%. Pretty consistent there. All other races, she won 50% of them to the 47% um, that Brian Kemp got. So here's the deal. It seems pretty clear that the white voters of Georgia made their choice. Mm-hmm. And the white voters of Georgia chose Brian Kemp. Now, there's a 9% difference between the black male vote uh, and the black female vote here. But um, even when you factor in that 9%, if you gave all of that to Stacey Abrams, she still would have lost the race because white people made their decision. Right. And their decision was to vote for Brian Kemp. Thoughts about this? I mean, none of the statistics are really that surprising to me. Are you? Are I know, you? But I think that this says something. What? So, Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight, they were able to galvanize the people of Georgia to turn the state for Biden in 2020. They were able to galvanize the state to elect two uh, Democratic senators. Okay. They were able to do that. So Stacey Abrams was able to do something that black women are able to do all the time, which was mother the state. Mm-hmm. She was able to mother them. Mm-hmm. She was able to get them up, get them dressed get them to the polls, 
Tell them what they should do. Tell them how much it meant to her. They allowed her to mother the state, to be this nurturing, driving force towards an outcome that was best for them. But they don't want her to lead it. Mm, True. Now, this is not me saying that mothers aren't leaders in our households. They are. Sometimes they're the only leaders in our households. Probably overstated by people. Black fathers are way more involved than they get credit for. It's facts. It's facts. You guys can go look that up for yourselves. That's facts. But it seems as if Georgia, or parts of Georgia, are okay taking advice from Stacey Abrams about the man that they should put in charge. Stacey Abrams can tell you which man should be a senator or which man can be uh, uh, the president. But when it comes to putting a black woman into that place where she calls the shots in Georgia, maybe some other places, we're not there yet. And I thought that that was very interesting. I thought it was very interesting that somebody who's meant so much to changing the look of the electorate in a place couldn't galvanize that electorate to vote for her. Now, look, I got to be honest with you. Some people might look at that and say, hey, did Stacey run the best campaign? Is Stacey the best candidate? All those are fair questions. Those are fair questions. I'm not saying that, hey, like there's no truth to that. But I'm saying that she seemed to be a pretty adept politician when it was about somebody else, Mm -hmm. when it was getting people out to vote for someone else, when it was getting people out to vote, reminding people of how powerful they were when that vote was going to be used for someone else. She seemed to be somebody who can definitely get things done. But when it came time to have that power rest in her hands, it seems as if the people of Georgia, particularly the white people of Georgia, made a decision. Hmm. It's a very good point. And it plays to, I can't remember if we were going to talk about this on the podcast or not, but it plays into the place black women have in this society. You know, it's just a look. Look, what I'd like to do is I like to be as intellectual about this as possible. I like to talk to some Georgia voters because I want to I want to explore this a little bit. I like to talk to some Georgia voters who voted for Brian Kemp. I would like to know why they did so. You know, mm. and look, there are two candidates running, and there are a lot of people who who are. Uh, but there are a lot of people who, who whose ethics and values probably lean more to Brian. That's, that's yeah, weird. Like, that's politics. I'm not you, mad at that. What do you think they're going to tell you? I'm interested to know if there is an overlap between people who voted for either Warnock or Ossoff, right, mm-hmm. or Joe Biden, that then voted for Stace, that voted for Brian Kemp in the gubernatorial race. I'm just curious. Hmm. I'm just curious what that number is. Because I'll be honest with you. 
I don't know if Stacey Abrams is ever going to be the governor of Georgia. Well, I th- you would think that her best shot would have been after the way that she, as you just pointed out, was able to galvanize people to vote blue in that state. And you would think that with those efforts coupled with all her other stuff, that she would be able to take that momentum and win the governor's race. And she did not. So I, I if I'm Stacey, would I even run again? I don't think so. It'll be interesting to see what her uh, what her career holds. Uh, maybe there's some national office, um, or you know, maybe a cabinet position, maybe a position in the White House, um, something like that that can uh, sort of inject some some juice into her p- political career. And she's a young lady, she's a young woman. Just say she's a she's got a lot of time left to decide how it is that she wants to make a difference. Uh, but it doesn't seem that George is quite to the point yet where they're okay with a black woman leading them and not just telling them which man that should lead them. Mm. That's interesting to me. It is interesting. All right. Uh, I want to talk about a piece of shit. Yeah. When we're talking about elections. I want to talk about a piece of shit. This piece of shit's name is Stephen Crowder. Put your hat back I'm aware on. Of who's, I'm aware of who Stephen Crowder is. A lot of his Crowder show. It's a very popular show. It's a guy that a lot of people like. I don't try to get into uh, police and people's comedy and whatever it is that they want to talk about. That's on them. It's whatever. Okay. Uh, but to me, right is fucking right and wrong is fucking wrong. Yeah. That's it. I'm not going to get into a situation where I am going to uh, get all twisted up in knots because, you know, certain people have a certain sense of humor. But there's a line that I draw. And that line, for me, is the slaughter of black kids. I don't think it's funny. All right? Right. And I think making that into a joke uh, reiterates the worthlessness of the life of a black person in America sometimes. So Stephen Crowder, who's on the show, um, I'm not going to plug the show, but they were talking about the elections, I'm assuming, and John Fetterman beat Dr. Oz. You know, Dr. Oz probably going to be the CEO of Weckman's now. And they were talking about his family who all came up, it's very cute or very hokey, whatever you want to call it. They were all wearing hoodies and, and shorts when they were up there with, uh, with Fetterman. And Stephen Crowder made a joke. And this is the joke. Donnie, could you run that, please? And, you know, this campaign has always been about fighting for everyone. In your size, triple XL satin basketball shorts. (laughs) They are a hoodie family. Yes, they are. (laughs) Where's Zimmerman when you need him? (laughs) (laughs) Did you get that joke? I sadly got the joke. Okay. <laughs> if you would go ahead, you want to say something? No, I want. I want to let you. Uh, I want to let you get to it. I think that I even I don't even want to say joke. I think what was said speaks for itself. Um, the fact that. The death of a young black man 
that should not have happened, where he was murdered as a teenager is a laughing matter for not just Crowder, not just the guy who was on there, but probably the people who subscribe and listen to his audience. He knew who he was talking to shows exactly what our value is in this society. Just in that simple comment, it shows exactly why it's so hard for us to get things done, for people to take us seriously, for people to stand up for us, for people to care. When you can laugh, laugh over a child losing their life in that way, period. It just shows, it. I, I, it's gross. I mean, again, it speaks for itself. I really don't even have a lot of words for it, but I think it is very indicative as to how people value black lives in this country just from that statement. So, never mind that it also is a veiled threat at Fetterman's family. Basically, he's saying he hopes that somebody kills him. Where's Zimmerman when you need him? In case you guys don't remember, uh, Trayvon Martin was wearing a hoodie. Um, the hoodie was an important piece of, uh, of uh, it was an important discussion point right. in the trial because it was like he's wearing a hoodie. It was dark. It was raining down there in Florida. And because he had a hoodie on, I guess that uh, made George Zimmerman, who we now know is a psychopath, feel that Trayvon Martin was dangerous in some sort of way. He initiated a, a confrontation with Trayvon Martin. After he started to get his ass kicked, he pulled out a gun. He killed Trayvon Martin. Okay. Um, no matter how you look at that, there's nothing funny about it. No matter how you look at it, there's nothing funny about it. All right. We're having a nationwide conversation in this country right now. And the conversation is around sensitivities of certain groups and how other groups that are outside of those groups uh, owe it to any group that is vulnerable. Um, to not be insensitive and not to uh, engage in speech that minimizes their worth or puts their life in jeopardy or normalizes the killing of them or normalizes the thought that they are somehow a drag on society or in conspiracy with a, in, in a world society or uh, something that needs to be exterminated or something that needs to be not uh, uh, something that's subhuman. And obviously I'm talking about some of the statements that um, were in the documentary that Kyrie Irvin watched. I'm not looking to what about this situation, but I am hoping that people pay a very close eye on why black people are frustrated. A lot of the reason why we're frustrated when we get a laundry list of things that a man has to do before he goes back and plays basketball because he did something stupid, because he did something uh, that he shouldn't have done, because he supported something that he probably shouldn't have supported. No, there's no probably that he definitely shouldn't have, shouldn't have supported. We start to think when we see that, okay, he's going to do all of those things and that's going to make people feel safe. That's the point of it. It's to make people feel safe, to make people feel like we know for sure that Kyrie Irving or whoever else is in that situation won't do anything else to hurt us. Won't make light of the fact that we have been hurt. When you talk about denials of the Holocaust, you're talking about the, the denial of a pain mm -hmm. so central and so deep 
that to deny that pain almost ensures that something like that will happen again. To pretend like that didn't happen almost ensures that someone else will say, hey, that's a good way to deal with a group of people. Mm-hmm. That's how people feel when their pain is glossed over. That's how people feel. They feel, oh, okay, well, since this is not a big deal, the next person that has this thought or the next person that has a feeling, they're not going to care either. That's the thought. So you say never again. You say never again are we not going to pay attention to words like that. Never again are we not going to pay attention to thoughts like that. Never again are we not going to pay attention to sentiments like that because it leads to outcomes that don't work for us. Discrimination, death, pain, all of that stuff over the course of years and years and years. And I get that. I understand that. What I don't get is why no one gives a fuck when it happens to us. And I don't give a fuck what the fuck y'all talking about. I don't care. I'm not stupid. I've been on this earth for 42 years. I get it. I know. Free speech. He can say whatever he wants. It's a joke. It's a, it's, a, it's a distasteful joke. Trayvon Martin is dead. He died. The fuck is funny about that? You feel what I'm saying? Absolutely. What's funny about it? He's dead. By a fake fucking cop riding around in the rain looking for niggas to kill. What's funny about it? There's nothing fucking funny about it. Shit happens that we be with y'all. Figuring out how to do better. Figuring out how to, how to have a conversation to where everybody feels like they're at the table. And then what the fuck do we get? I remember Tosh.0 back in the day. I was watching the show. It's 2007. Whatever. There's a dude on a tree. Like, you know how black guys, nah, he's not on the tree. He's like, you know how dudes in New York, they do all of these different like fucking street acrobatics and they get up and they, they'll get on a pole and they'll put their body out on the side of the pole horizontally. They'll do pull-ups and push-ups mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's this, there's this guy that is hanging on to this pole where his body's out horizontally. Tosh says he's probably waiting for the next ho- uh, the hurricane to hit New Orleans. That's not fucking funny. That's not funny. The death of black people isn't funny. It's not. I I know that it's a part of America and it's such a part of America. Black death is such a part of America that you guys think that we don't care. And there might be all kinds of reasons you think we don't care. You're wrong. We care. You're wrong. Fuck it. I don't give a fuck what rap you listen to. I don't give a fuck what you look at. On the, you're wrong. Fuck, uh, take my word. We care. So what I'm asking right now is for everybody to understand that the same anger that you felt when a motherfucking documentary was posted on somebody's Twitter, the same vulnerability that you felt, the same rage that you felt, 
that same how could you, that's how I feel right now. And I want you to know I feel this way all the time. Like all the time. I feel this way when a nigga gets his fucking head blown off by the police. I feel this way when a nigga gets his fucking head blown off by another black man. I feel this way when I watch people in this society try to protect black life. I I feel this way when I wonder why our lives aren't sacred and protected. And I feel this way when I watch that motherfucking white boy make jokes about the death of a goddamn kid. And if you don't care about that, stop asking us to care about shit. I feel you. I know how it should be, but let's talk about how it is. And so my thing is this. Look. I'm not letting this go. I'm not. I'm not going to laugh it off. I'm not going to pretend like it's just another fucking thing. I'm not letting this go. I want to hear what all of America, what all of outraged America, what all of pissed off America, what all of pearl clutching America thinks about the jokes about the death of a black baby. I want to know what y'all think about that. And I'll ride with you on what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to treat each other. I'll do my best. I'll do my best on helping brothers learn from mistakes that they've made. I'll do my best at helping brothers grow from mistakes that they made. I'm not canceling or throwing nobody away. But I'm here for the conversation of why we can't do certain things and why we got to be better and more knowledgeable. I'm with all of that. I'm telling you, I'm with it. But you need to be with me and you need to be with us and we need to not just see you. We need to feel you. We need to feel that. And I'm not letting this go. I'm on this motherfucking ass and wherever it goes is where it goes. So I have interns try to look up. Whoever's supporting this guy, we're going to keep doing this. But the time for jokes and playing is over. Have your funny shit. Tell all of your shit. Do your fucking shit. All of it. The dark, all of that, whatever you want. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling you. But when you cross that line, we on your motherfucking ass. Because the same fucking standard that we are held to, that every there's one standard. The standard is understanding, protecting, and respecting the lives of people, whether they're in your group or another group. That is the standard. And if you're not fucking with that, if you're not fucking with making sure that that standard is applicable across everything, then I'm not fucking with you. I'm a fuck with mine. Let me just say this. If you hadn't posted that video and we hadn't had this conversation, I probably would have never known what Steven Crowder said. And I, and I think that 
what you're saying, I mean, a lot of everything that you're saying is important, but I think that is so key is we have to talk about it because the rest of the media isn't. I don't follow Kyrie on Twitter. If the media hadn't blown up what Kyrie tweeted out, I probably never would have known it. But they made a big deal about it and they continue to talk about it. And then we continue to talk about it. And then it became a thing. And then it got this momentum and it drew all this attention to where we are, where we are right now with Kyrie. That same thing, to touch on what you're saying, can be done in this exact situation. First, people need to understand what's being said. I, again, I never would have known this. I don't fucking pay attention to Steven Crowder. And most, and, and, and I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast don't, but now you're hearing it. So what you need to do now is make, uh, use your platforms, use your voices, make other people aware of what's being said and that they, you're not going to stand for this. This can't happen. And couple all that with the rest of what Van said. Word up. All right, we got Isaac Hayes coming up. God damn it. Oh. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, this one don't look right. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, guys. Wait, where the hell? Where the hell is my thing like one? Come on. Come on. Let's do it. Can you hear anybody? Oh, that's probably because of this. Let's see. Oh, I see. I hear Sham. What's up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, shit. Shit's pop. Hold on. Let me get my, let me get my audios right. Isaac, you ever heard this song before? <laughs> so stupid. Once or twice. <laughs> All right, guys. Twitter is run by fascists. This is a fact. Twitter is a situation now to where it is about to be a shit show. Everything is being destroyed. And you're wondering to yourself right now, is there a social media platform out there that I can turn to in lieu of Twitter, in lieu of Instagram, that might be a little bit more centered on my needs as either a black person or as a person that wants to try something new and get paid for what it is that you're posting. And the answer is there is. And the man behind one of these apps, well, the app that we're talking about is Isaac Hayes III, and he it's behind fan base. He joins us today on Higher Learning. Ike, What's up? What's happening? We need you to talk to the people and tell us what fan base is, how you came up with fan base, and why they need fan base in their life. So fan base is the very first ever uh, native application that allows a user to subscribe to another user via in-app purchase. So mm. think of it like mm. an Instagram, but only fans without the porn. So you can have followers and subscribers on the exact same page. Your followers see your following content and your subscribers see your following and subscriber content. That's yeah. it. Huh. Huh. Tell us about the. Oh, oh I'm go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Because you had a couple of questions in there. Tell us about the beginnings of it. 
tell us the whys, tell us where you stand, and tell us why it's better than what it is that we're currently into. So it started in 2018. Um, this kid went viral for dancing in a Spider-Man costume in a GameStop. He's from Memphis, Tennessee. And I just happened to shoot him a DM and said, congrats, young Memphis. And then he goes by the name of Ghetto Spider. And he hit me back. He's like, are you a manager? He's like, I need a manager. And I was like, I don't really manage artists and stuff like that. But I was like, you know, let's let's talk about it. He goes, you want me to come to Atlanta? I can see my number. X, Y, Z. I said, no, nah, just send me your number. I'll hit you. And I got off the, 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 the DM with him. And I was like, this kid went viral. And he's having the viral moment of his life. And he does not know how to make a dime from it. I said, but he can really dance. I said, people mm-hmm. need to be able to subscribe to other people like Netflix so I can follow you. But then I can subscribe to learn your skills or your podcast or your tutorial or whatever it is. And then that was the idea of fan base. And I took $200,000 of my own money. Sounds crazy. But I took $200,000 of my own money over the course of about a year and a half and, and, and built it and built an MVP and a beta and got to about 10,000 users and had a proof of concept saying, okay, people will subscribe to other people. Only fans that come out the year before was called fans only. And I was like, when the strippers find out about this, it's a wrap. Um, but I knew there had to be a, a brand safe version because I felt like <laughs> subscriptions were going to overtake advertising at some point. And uh, that's it. We got the 2020, couldn't move. A friend of mine suggested I, I crowdfund, um, which is equity crowdfunding, which is very, very important. Um, to the success of fan base. And I was able to raise initially a million then 3.4 million. And then I raised another 2.6 million. And now I'm raising the final round um, on start engine. I'm raising 2.5 million and we just crossed a million today. So I got another million and a half. Congratulations. I- Listen, let me tell, let me tell y'all why this is important. Congratulations. Congratulations. The accredited I- investor rule has been in effect for 83 years. It's an opportunity for rich people to have the earliest opportunities to invest in startups. So when you think about IBM, Microsoft, Google, all these platforms, Uber, rich people who make uh, over $200,000 a year for two consecutive years or have a net worth of a million dollars plus, they were the ones that got the opportunity to invest. So think about this. This is going to blow y'all mind. You ever heard about this? There's a guy named Oren Michaels. He put $5,000 into Uber in 2010. Five G's. When the company IPO in 2019, his 5,000 was worth 24 million. Mm. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> that means, that means like, I know, I mean, street niggas I know with $5,000. Oh or should be all of them. Everybody. Wow. Yeah. Even, even just people that can take a, take a gamble, right? Or 10 friends can get $500 a piece and put it yeah. in there together. And they would have walked away with $2.4 million nine years later. But you don't have to be accredited to go spend $5,000 on lottery tickets to, to try to win a billion dollars. Or you don't have to, you can spend $5,000 in Vegas and, you ain't got to be accredited. So why can't we invest in early stage startups the same way? So thanks, thanks to Congress at the time and Barack Obama, they passed the Jobs Act. So it wipes out the credited investor rule and allows anybody to invest in an early stage startup, regardless of your net worth or annual income. So the minimum to invest in fan base and all these rounds was, was 245 bucks to buy some shares in a, in a startup. Um, and so that's how I've been able collectively through equity crowdfunding to raise over 7 million bucks. Wow. You said something, I was reading something about this. You refer to it as digital redlining and how that has plagued black creators and then their ability to make money, which is something I don't really consider myself an influencer, but I do make money off social media. Uh, I should say a con, I'm not a content creator, but I make money off social media. But thank you. But 
Not the same. I got people who don't look like me, white people, who make way more money and are offered more than me. So can you talk a little bit about what you mean by digital redlining and then how fan base takes that away? Doesn't Yeah, so a couple of things. One, every single person on social media is a content creator. Whether you post one photo a year or a hundred a day, <laughs> the company is running advertising in between all of our content to make money. So I tell people that if the platform is not paying you directly, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok are not paying you directly. You're the product. You're what's being sold. Um, when it comes to digital redlining, here's the truth. Um, in the United States of America, there are more white people than there are black people. But collectively, is that true? Yeah, there are more white people. Are you serious, Ike? <laughs> why are you dropping these knowledge bombs on us on higher learning, bro? So from an advertiser's perspective, they want to advertise to a broad audience, white, black, Asian, Latino. So think of a platform like TikTok. If I'm going to sell advertising, it behooves me to have very famous white creators that get views from everybody, including white people that I can run ads behind instead of a black person that has probably just black viewers and black views. So what they need is they need the black community to create the dance or the trend. So then it can be duplicated by everybody else. And then ads run through those higher views, which is not a problem. And I say this all the time, TikTok, Instagram reels, whatever it's, it's, it's meant for everybody to mimic each other. You do the trend. I do the trend. You do the dance challenge. I do the dance challenge. I don't have a problem with any of that. It's the companies that say, Hmm, it's better that if white creator X gets 300 million views than black creator. So let's push up white creators so we can run ads in between all those views and, and charge more for white advertising than black. So that's the digital redlining part I'm talking about. Every black person have a fan base. I think every single person on the planet should have fan base. I'm going to tell you why. Hmm. One. It's, an, it's available in 180 plus countries. It's on iOS and Android, and it's free to download and free to use. And everybody makes money in some way, shape or form by using the platform. And the importance of that is because. And I've said this and, and now it's starting to happen. Subscriptions are going to be the biggest thing ever. People subscribing to other people is going to be bigger than Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu combined. When you think about there's seven and a half billion people on the planet with a smartphone and there's nothing between you and them. But hitting a button that says subscribe and using a face scan or a fingerprint. And so Netflix only has two hundred and twenty two million subscribers, but there's seven and a half billion people on the planet. But if seven and a half billion people on the planet can subscribe to seven and a half other billion people, theoretically, that blows that blows, you know, video, video on demand streaming services out of the water. And I, and I've coined a phrase that I call it, I call it microcasting or micro subscriptions. And the reason why I call it microcasting and micro subscriptions is because when you think of broadcast media, why those are like large cable networks, Xfinity, Comcast, whatever, whatever. Right. Then we've gone into the narrow cast era for the last 10 or 15 years, which is like Netflix, Hulu, you know, um, Apple TV plus and all that kind of stuff. But microcasting is I subscribe to you. I subscribe to the Lakers. I subscribe to Beyonce. I subscribe to this creator for their recipes. And all I got to do is hit two buttons. And, and for $4.99, I get to see all the cool content that people make. Is it 
per person? Yes. Or just in general? No, $4.99, okay. $4.99 per person. And here's the crazy part about it. Shout out to my amazing, amazing CTO, Ramiro. When we first started building Fanbase, I thought I wasn't going to be able to build it. Apple came and said, no, you can't build that. Um, and what we initially wanted to build was an app where a person could just subscribe to as many people as they wanted to subscribe to. And so Apple said no, because we create something for you called a subscription profile. Meaning if you have Netflix on your phone, we have a profile for you. If you have Apple Music, we have a profile. We're not going to let you build an app where, <laughs> where theoretically someone could subscribe to 100 people and you wind up with 100 million users. And now we got a billion profiles we got to keep up with. And lo and behold, we found a way around it and tiered our subscriptions to one, three and five in the beginning. So each one of those is a profile and we were able to launch the app. Fast forward. Like. Two, three years later, we're chugging along. We're like, Instagram's about to do subscriptions. And we hit up Apple. I was just about to ask you about that. We, like, we hit Apple up and we're like, Apple, how is Instagram allowed to do what you said we couldn't do? And their response was, oh, well, we've come a long way in the way we think about subscriptions. You should reach out to the department because we've made significant changes in the way that we view subscriptions now. I'm like, word? It's okay, cool. But we were literally the very first app where you could subscribe to a person using an in-app purchase. So there was no app before that. You could use OnlyFans or Patreon, which is like you got to pull your debit card out. But just in-app purchase, we were the first app to do that. Uh, how many users are on Fanbase currently? Is that something you can share with us? Yeah, over over 300,000. Oh, wow. Okay, so how, like, uh, look, look, I'm, uh, Ike, God damn it, Ike. Like, like, I'm, like so what? How is it growing? What's the health of the company like? And, you know, how expansive right now is the community behind uh, our fan So It's a a very dedicated community because people have invested in the company as well. They own it. Users directly affect the value of startups. So who better than to have equity in the company than the people that actually use it? If every single person left Instagram today, it'd be worth zero dollars and zero cents. TikTok, zero dollars and zero cents. Clubhouse, zero dollars and zero cents. So, wow, what if somebody built in a startup that was a social media company, allowed the public to buy shares, and then we all rush over there, and then we pump mm. up the valuation of the company, and our mm. stock becomes way more than what we started. Mm. So that's what I wound up doing with Fanbase. So we've gone from a $20 million valuation to a $50 million valuation to now an $85 million valuation in this last round that we're doing on Start Engine. And I'm not doing any more of these. This is it. So this is your last chance to invest. I tell everybody, you want to own a part of fan base. This is the final round before we go to Series A. And Series till A- Till when? Huh? Till, till we reach- Is two, there a date? So till we reach 2.5 million and we're already at a million. Okay. And doing programs like this make the raise go viral. So it's like, I'll do a, I'll do a program like yours and everybody hears it and they rush on there and we raise, you know- half a million in two days or whatever. And then the race closed and everybody's like, what happened? I'm like, bruh, I told y'all get on in and, and, you know, and make sure that you're invested in the company. So the company is, is doing very well. And what I say is what, what, what I do is I have, you know, meetings about fan base and I show people fan base and say, we've built all this with less than $6 million. And you have companies like now Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok and Twitter all pivoting to subscriptions. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of them are. Yeah. Every single one of them. And so I was ahead of the curve, but the difference is, and I tell people all the time, is like, I'm confident in our team. I can build every single thing that every one of those companies can build, but they can't build us. And black culture is the economic engine of social media. 
black culture is the cool of the world. It is the hottest shit on the planet. You, you can it is it is virtually impossible to market and promote anything as being cool without the assistance without of black, black people. people. It can yep. be sentimental, adventurous, exciting, but you need our our slang, our fashion, black our clothes, yep, yep. our music, our dances, something. Yep. You need something from us to say, hey, that's the new cool thing we need to be on. And so when you when you think about every product on the planet needs that to be marketed in some way, shape or form, um, we have a very exploitive relationship with social media that our culture is exploited to the benefit of platforms like Instagram that made one hundred and fifteen billion dollars in revenue last year and platforms like um, uh, TikTok, who ByteDance parent company is worth three hundred billion dollars. Right. Um, but ask those companies to say, hey, put five billion in Chicago. Put five billion in Baltimore, put five billion in Atlanta, put five billion in the hood, put five billion in Louisiana and New Orleans, wherever, because your culture is what makes our app stand up and they'll laugh you out of the building. They'll be like, ha, get out of here. Just keep making them dances, though. Keep making those dances. (laughs) Right. Keep keep dancing. Uh, Last last question for me. You talked about if we all left these social media platforms that are the Twitters, the Instagram, all of that, that they would be worth nothing. Um, with the way that Twitter is heading right now, and I mean, the news just broke today that they just lost their privacy executive, their top security person, I, I guess, left a couple of people. Um, do you think this is the end of Twitter? No, unless Elon screws it up. Well, How, how, how can he screw it up? By using it as his personal tool or his personal um, podium to sometimes be what it is. I don't have a problem with him trying to make the platform profitable. I don't know why. I don't know why you think he's not going to do that. I Because here's the thing. Twitter Twitter would never go anywhere if he left it alone, but he has to make it profitable and then stay out of the way because Twitter is really the news. It is where you go to find out. And this is what I say. Mm -hmm. Every social media platform has a lifespan. It will live and it will die, right? MySpace is dead. Facebook's a senior citizen. Instagram's a middle-aged adult. Snapchat's a millennial, TikTok's a centennial. And I built Fanbase to be the centennial generation alpha platform that goes for 10 or 15 years. Twitter, right? Twitter is defined by what's happening right now and not the generation that uses it. Absolutely. Who won won the basketball game? Yeah. Who's who's shooting at a school? Who what did Kanye say? What did you know? It's like what's happening right now. It's it's really the hip, it's it's really the the social media version of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like it's the social media version of hip hop. It's like something happens right. in the culture and then you wind up, you know, it winds up in a record. Like that's exactly what Twitter is. Something happens in the world and it winds up on Twitter, especially black Twitter. <laughs> so there's a lot to be done there. So I'm on my fan base right now. And and I need to be more active on fan base. Let me tell you, I, I, I want you to tell you, I'm, I'm telling you something right now. Ike, I'm changing my name. I'm now known as Van Fanbase Lathan. Okay. I'm all in on Fanbase and I'll tell you why. Thank you. Like, can I talk, bro? I just said thank you. Oh my God. Can 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 but are you gonna let me talk about Fanbase? <laughs> Seriously. Like, we need in a serious way to be able to control the trajectory of the technologies that we are a part of. 
where a lot of times we are held hostage to these things. Mm-hmm. Twitter made me feel like a hostage. I'm sitting here watching what's happening with Twitter. I don't have a say. I'm not invested. It's like the cool kids table when they take away chocolate milk. You know what I mean? And so, and so, and so I'm looking, I'm looking at fan base. And to be honest with you, brother, I've known you for a while now. We've had a lot of different talks. They're not always this, not always this PC. You're but, right. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we've, we've had a lot of talks. They're not always, they're always, they're all, um, but I'm very interested in, in, in what, in what you're doing. And I'm, and I should have been more and better and more on top of it before. But, uh, I'm fan base now. Fan base is about the fan base is replacing Twitter for me. Like it, it, the, 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 the gram, we got to do the gram. I got to do the gram for right now, but I, I am pledging to not only get involved in raising the money for fan base and buying in, but also one thing that I can do more for fan base is the engagement. Cause I'm telling you guys right now, I'm on fan base. I just posted something. The, the app is seamless the app works perfectly there. I hate that you have to say that as a black person, but that we have to say, we, that. We have to <laughs> say that. No, I mean, no, but, but, but let's keep it all the way real. We do. We like, we have to say that, you know what I mean? Like, like we have to say that, you know what I mean? Is you're not, you're not taking any sort of quality here. And by the way, Ike has not paid us to be on this show. No. Like, you, know, you know what I mean? So, so I'm fucking with you. I'm on it. I'm on it. What what do you need? I tell everybody what you're looking for now. What like what's what's the best way they can support it, and what's the best way that they can just be involved with everything that's happening? Well, I mean, just to, just to know the information that let me and let me explain to you why this is imperative. And I tell everybody this: if you do not start monetizing your content today, five years from now, you're going to regret that you didn't start today because you're going to be out earned by somebody that is less talented than you. That simply decided mm. to do so. Mm. I gave that same speech to a very famous rapper, female rapper that is very famous right now. And in less than a year, Bad Baby made $53 million on OnlyFans. That's more money than Cardi made, Nicki made, Lotto made, That's um, uh, Meg Thee Stallion made, Doja Cat made. And, she, and so as soon as I heard her make that money, I went and subscribed to her OnlyFans. I said, I want to see what she did. She's not naked. She's posting content in like bikinis and lingerie. The videos are no longer than 10 seconds and it was 160 pieces of content. What I also noticed is she archived her entire Instagram. Nothing was on the page except maybe like one photo and there was a link. And the only thing you do when you click on that link is you can go to her, stream her music. You can watch her music video or you can go to her OnlyFans. She created a funnel. She's like, I have 16 million followers. If I can't reach 16 million people, why am I here? And I, ne- I didn't, we didn't really get to touch on content suppression and shadow banning because mm. that is so real. Oh yeah. Right. And the reason why, the reason why it's real is, and I'll ask you this question. Right. How many followers you got, man? Uh, 550,000. Why would Instagram let you reach 550,000 people when they're about to charge Walmart and target to reach 550,000 people through ads? If you could reach a million people or 500,000 people, Walmart and target would just come to you and just pay you. They mm-hmm. wouldn't pay Instagram to run ads. So they have to smush your content down to like three to four percent. Kim Kardashian has Kim Kardashian has three hundred million followers on Instagram. That is the population of the United States of America and three times the watch of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is on one day a year for four hours a day, and they charge seven million dollars for a thirty second commercial. 
If Kim Kardashian can reach 300 million people with a push of a button, she can make $21 million a post, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When you take the word following and change it to viewership, that's what power she has. So there's no way that Instagram is going to let her reach 300 million people or go live and send out 300 million notifications for people to pull up on her live and her to say, go buy skims. Like, what? Hell no. So they smush your, you go to her page, her views maybe max get like 11 million, 5 million, 3 million. They're not giving you all that free visibility. So on fan base, there is no limit to the amount of people that you can reach. So you can, you can, if, if you want it with a hundred million uh, followers on fan base, we're sending your content to a hundred million people. Here's why. 5% of the people that follow you are your fan base. The other 95% of people that follow you, follow you passively like a magazine at a grocery store. They're nosy or they're haters. The other 5% are your fan base. So just take, for instance, like if you have a million followers, you have 50,000 fans, 50,000 people, and you get half the revenue that's made on fan base. Why? Apple and Google take 30%. We take 20. We give you 50. So $2 and 50 cents a subscriber. That's still $125,000 a month. That's $1.5 million a year. I know somebody with 13 million TikTok followers that doesn't make a dime, but all you need is 50,000 people to make $1.5 million a year. Let's 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 bring it down to let's bring it down to the to the to the normal average. The average American salary is forty seven thousand dollars a year. All you need is five thousand people subscribing to you. That's twelve thousand five hundred a month. That's one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. That's more than like ninety six percent of Americans. Man, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. I'm on this shit right <laughs> now. Doing it wrong. I'm looking at fan base. I'm on fan base right now. Why we like why we we're got, talking? I, let me tell you I, the verticals we got. So let me tell you what we have. We have posts, which are photos and videos. Okay. We have stories, which are monetized, meaning you can love them. And I'll explain love in a second, but you can also have exclusive stories. We have um live. So those hearts that float up on Instagram that don't mean anything. When you go live on fan base, people tap the heart icon, which is love, you get half a penny every time they tap that. We have our version of TikTok, which is called Flicks, which is short form video. We have audio rooms like Clubhouse and Twitter spaces that are monetized. So even if you're sitting on a stage, someone can love what you say, or you can make exclusive audio rooms and people have to subscribe to get in your audio rooms. And then to top it all off, we have Fanbase Plus. Fanbase Plus is like Netflix, YouTube, and pay-per-view and, and Twitch for you. So you can put a podcast, a TV show, a movie, a tutorial, and put it behind a paywall and make tons of money. I'm going to tell you why that is important. I'm not going to get in y'all business, but... A good friend of mine, um, I've been working with for 10 years, he pivoted from selling apparel to helping people sell um, content. Are you familiar with a guy named Tim Dillon? No. no. See, this is, this is the best thing. See, now I'm about, to, I'm about to fuck y'all up. Tim Dillon is a comedian who has a podcast. He gives his podcast audio out to everybody. He puts other episodes behind the paywall. And guess how much Tim Dillon makes every month? Over $220,000. No. He's making $2.4 million a year by putting his video content behind a paywall. All the other top Chapo Trap House, the Cumboys, like these are all podcasts, all white folks there. We don't know. But what we do is we do the mixtape route. We give our content away for free and then go viral and then try to turn that shit into a business. That's the most inefficient thing in the world you can do. If me and Van were to open up a, a, a pizza shop together and we had to give away free pizza till somebody famous walked up and ate the pizza and said, go buy this pizza, we'd be out of business in a month. But if you sell pizza from day one and set the standard for the value of the content that you create from the beginning when you make it, that is what you have to do. 
we have to stop giving our content mm-hmm. away for free. We can give some away for free and treat podcasting mm-hmm. and the audio and things like that and the videos we make. But then we also, we, also, we also have to create something for that 5% that we build a subscriber base in, and that's where the money is. So trust me. I mean, I, I feel I'm right already that everybody turned to subscriptions. Like everybody's like, we're not making no money off ads. We got to go to subscriptions. I'm like, I've been saying that. So, you know. Fan base. We I'm on it right on now. The table. I'm upset. I want you to. I want you to Google Tim. I want you to Google like Google like Patreon and Tim Dillon, and it'll pull up. And he he has like thirty. And here's the crazy part: he only has thirty six thousand subscribers, guys. And he's charging like five bucks a month. He's making two point four million dollars a year. Hey, are you making me feel bad about myself? I I gotta go. Like I'm doing, like I'm hustling backwards. <laughs> And I'm about to start looking at my contracts and shit. Uh, Call to action. What do people need to do? People need to go to startengine.com slash fan base right now and invest. Own a part of this company because we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to be disruptive. We're going to continue to consume media. And people are going to continue to join this platform. And the dam is going to break. There's three things that I think are going to happen. I think Facebook is going to massively fail and collapse. I think TikTok is going to get banned in the United States of America. And I think Twitter is in a little bit of trouble and all that happening, like nothing lasts forever. And I think you're seeing in this last like year or two that it's about to be some new boys on the block. It's about to be some new social networks that come out and shake things up. So go to startengine.com slash fan base to invest. The minimum to invest is 245 bucks. Um, the maximum is a hundred grand. And if you want to do that, go ahead. Um, we love that too, but I, but it's, but it's community driven. I want, it's more about community. I love, we have a lot of famous people that have, you know, invested in the platform, which is really, really cool. And that's excellent, but it's more about community building for me. Social media platforms don't survive off celebrities. They survive off community. And so we're doing that. And then download the app, download the app, you know, make a, make a profile and come on in. That's Isaac Hayes. Fan base is the name of the game. Um, Appreciate you, brother. Uh, look, uh, Rachel, Rachel, me and Rachel was talking about Atlanta. I'm gonna ask you one question before <laughs> oh, before yeah. you leave. Um, how big of a deal are wings in Atlanta? Oh, wings are like it's like the national food of Atlanta. See what I'm saying? See what I'm like, saying? Yeah. See what I'm saying? What's, what's what the saying? best wing spot? I'd probably say American Deli. American Deli guy. That, does, that does that doesn't sound good no, because it's. And look, let me it's tell you good. something. The best food comes from the, the 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 shabbiest places you've ever been to. Like, yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. Yeah, Amer- American American Deli is dope. American Deli. It is just dope. doesn't uh, sound like a wing spot. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like they would have good wings. That's why they I'm got saying the best that. wings. We ate them when we was there um, shooting American the King Von episode. All right, see, Rachel, don't tell me. I know about Atlanta. Although I'm gonna tell you something, Ike. We're gonna talk about this later and bring you back on the podcast. DC. Is catching up to Atlanta as the black mecca. Um, DC is DC, DC, like, DC yeah. was the original black mecca. DC is ah, DC. DC, like, like, DC was the original. <laughs> DC. DC was the original black mecca. And then DC. And then and then Maynard Jackson came along and was like, hold up. DC. We got, we got political power over here. We can we can build stuff. We can look, look I was, I, I close with this, man. A black man named Kasim Reed sold yeah. another black man, Tyler Perry. 350 acres for $35 million sure to build, did. to build the, the largest movie studio in the United States of America. And it's yep. privately owned by a black man that does not yep. happen in New York or LA or DC. If the mayor says no. Very true. Let him know. It's very true. Let him know. All right. 
Ike, we out, baby. Good to talk to you, man. Thanks for joining us on Higher Learning, Thank bro. You. Fan base is the app. All right. Fan base is the app. Ike, Ike Hayes, we played the Shaft thing because that's Isaac Hayes' son, in case you guys didn't know. Rachel didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Because they'll believe that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but he tried to play me like I didn't. Um. So, Sophia Rosling has spoken. This is the race terrorist that, uh, this is the race terrorist that went to Kentucky. She, um, she assaulted and insulted a black lady. She got kicked out of school. She was banned from school. So we were wondering what the university of Kentucky was going to do. And they banned her. Uh, Rachel, how do you feel about that? Well, I would give an apology rating to her because she has come out and, you know, put out a statement, but there was no apology. So there's nothing for me to rate. How do I feel about that? Good. We talked about this. What should be done? She shouldn't be allowed to walk those Mm -hmm. halls, walk that campus. She should not be allowed to be amongst. She's a threat to black people. If I'm a black student and I see her, she's a threat. So they did the right thing. She's disruptive. She's hateful. She's racist. She had to go. She had to go. There was no, in my opinion, any no other thing that they could do but to send her on her way. Bye, bitch. She said, I was under, <laughs> she said, I was under the influence. I'm sorry. Please don't judge me. I lost everything. I- Then she said, I understand an apology may not help, but I am not racist. I was under the influence. I lost everything, literally. And now I have to fear for my life. God forgives. Please understand. This is the next one. If you guys knew I was under the influence, why record me? This was literally my senior year. You guys really got me banned recording me when I wasn't even aware of what I was doing. My whole future is over. I, w- I withdrew myself out of respect for everyone wanting me expelled, uh-uh. but getting banned hurts. I'm really sorry, but I was under the influence and regret everything. She, uh, Ooh, she, the sympathy car. Just, we do not feel sorry for you. You almost made it, Sophia. You almost made it four years being a racist. That's what she said. She said, I, it's my senior year and you were almost there until you weren't. I feel nothing. And there was not one apologetic thing that she said. She didn't apologize to that young black woman she accosted Mm -hmm. and spoke in that way too. She didn't apologize to any of the other black people that were either recording or that were privy to that. She didn't apologize to us. We had to hear it. We had to be subjected to it. Nothing. All we're supposed to do is feel sorry for her. She, uh, She seems pretty broken up about it, Rach. You want to give her another chance? Rach, Rach told me there's before the podcast that, can be that done she thought she this <laughs> There's nothing that can be done, Rach. I don't have a forgiving bone in my body. There's I would nothing say that, that can be done. She might want to join Steven Crowder's team because it sounds like that's a good fit for her. There's not yeah, like she'll be fine. Maybe, maybe if she came out and had showed an ounce of sympathy empathy, whatever, like nothing. You didn't give us anything to work with. So no, I don't have any forgiving, a forgiving bone in my body and I feel nothing. Rate the apology. There wasn't one. Zero. Zero out of zero. 
All right, uh, Sophia, you fucked up. Um, deal with it. Go this talk is who to, you are. She the fuck up. Go talk this to Reverend you. Sharper. This is who you hey, are. look, I, I, it's, it's it's above me now. What did the brother say that time? It's above me. <laughs> It's above I'm, me. I'm, I'm over it. I'm sick of all this bullshit. I'm fucking sick of this shit. But I did uh, we'll appreciate ter- your social media post and asking people what should she do. Y'all are funny. Yeah, people are funny. funny. I asked you guys in a serious way to 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 <laughs> to give me a list of things that Sophia could do uh, in order to 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 get back in the good graces of the culture. And here are some of the things that y'all said she should do. Some of you niggas are nasty. So I'll tell you right now, this wasn't an this wasn't an excuse for y'all to get y'all shit off. Okay. There are 4,700 comments on this. Like people really wanted to. Um, but some of y'all are nasty. You know, some some people said she should have to do a mandingo party. It's not, come on, that's not funny. That's not funny, guys. Uh let's see. Malcolm D. Lee says she should have to sing the Negro national anthem. <laughs> from the top 10 choir directors in the South and she has to sing it on repeat until ringing with the harmony, harmony of liberty. Uh, let's see. Trayvon says she needs to play 12 games of dominoes in the hood while smoking three packs of cools to completion. <laughs> she has to win all 12 games. Lonnie Love, she has to donate 100,000 to five HBCUs. God damn, 500,000. Apologize on my on our podcast. Apologize to the sister and post about it on all her socials. Take sensitivity training. Meet with the NAACP and other black organizations. Come back on our podcast and explain why what she has learned and why she did what she did. That is a start, says Lonnie. Oh my God, Jamel Hill says my demand is that she have a meeting with Fuck Around and find out. That's what that's what I'm talking about. That's the energy. Come on. <laughs> Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Ian came in with something whack. Um, I got, uh, she got to perform dreams and nightmares all the way through. No mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like her to learn, lift every voice and sing and sing it each morning, Monday through Friday on no. IG Live for two years. Tink says she's got to go to West Africa, strip naked, get on a boat in shackles and travel to the U.S. in the bottom of said boat. Then work on a cotton farm for 12 months starting in the (laughs) the heat of summer and live in slave quarters in the same conditions as existed back then while black masters whip her and call her cracker. (laughs) Meet with Al Sharpton and Farrakhan for sensitivity training. Donate 500,000 to an HBCU. Complete 500 hours of community service in an inner city cleaning streets. Jesus Christ. Wow. I still like wow. the Scarlet Letter idea. I'm yeah, still down with like that. that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, some, of, <laughs> uh, some of these niggas is crazy. All right, Donnie Mailback. Mailback time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. First one is from Ron Weeze, who asks, what celebrity slash entertainer that passed would you bring back for them to do one more project, movie, album, speech, et cetera, et cetera? That's fucking depressing. Next question. No, I'm on the answer. Go ahead. 
it's going to be. Actually, no, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. Sam Cooke. We lost him Sam too Cook, soon. Really? We lost him lost too Sam soon. Cook. One of my favorites. I love Sam Cooke, but he was like way before us though. So there's not as much of a connection but to we him. Lo- but we lost, but we, but he died so young. Same with Otis Redding. Like I think like they died too young. There's so much more that they could have given us. We lost. I out would on say, that. I would say it would probably be Chadwick Boseman, man. It's just so sad to, have to think about it. Wakanda Forever is in theaters now, but it's just so sad to think about it. I thought it's you like, were going to say Michael Jackson. Look, we, you, you know how to And do I this. almost did. I almost did. And I, p- I pivoted. To, you know, we, you know how they do it. You know, how, you know what the situation is. All right, next one. All right, next one is uh, easy, I think. Uh, D Barbs 23 asks, what do y'all do to unwind after work? Well, it's wow. changed. What did she say? It's changed. Okay, so we the fir- his first answer <laughs> was porn. <laughs> oh, no, I said it's changed. I said it's changed. That's what it was before. It's changed. I already knew you what know your what I mean? mind was. So now, I, now I, you know. So what you do now? Now I play Madden. You know, I play Madden. I, I walk around. You know, take cold showers. No, it's changed. I knew it. I. Like to walk the dogs, mm-hmm. um, or you know, I'm catching up on some housewives or some shit like that. What's going on on the housewives right now? Which city? In what's, what's her name? In what's her name getting uh, married? Who? Isn't Portia getting married? She's not on Housewives anymore. She is. Oh, for but real? She's not on. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't on she, this last she, season. She had she her own changed? show. She had her own show. And then what's her show? What's, what's the name back. of her show? <clears throat> it was about well, because you know her story. Maybe you don't know her story, but she her last father's time she, Hosea Williams, grandfather, and last time, but yeah. she also didn't know that the Underground Railroad was a real thing. That's not true. She didn't. I know don't that. believe that. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, moving on, bro. <laughs> like, like I can't. I can't. I can't deal with that type of shit. <laughs> she, like, well, but she, at, that can't at be at true. Her grandfather. Yes, it was. It was a big thing she even explained it yes her grandfather being Hosea Williams and she still like that's Dr. King's right hand guy that the uh, she did not know that the underground railroad was an actual thing all right next question question, Donnie Donnie. yeah (laughs) all right uh what is the next one Bernoa Bernoa asks would you include any women in your 10 best rappers of all time List. Vance Vance face says no. Wow. Could we get 15? Maybe 20? Maybe top 20? Maybe top 15? Okay, okay. So how about this? I would. I'd put Kim okay. in. Okay. You put Kim in? Look him. You gotta put if you're gonna put a if if a woman's going in the top ten MCs, it's gotta be Nicki Minaj. Maybe I would put her too, but I definitely put Lil Kim in. At this point, despite everything, despite even how much of Nicki Minaj is the greatest female rapper of all time. She's the greatest female rapper. It's, I- I, I like think, Nicki Minaj as a rapper. I'm not. I'm not questioning I you. I think Nicki. I think. I think Nicki Minaj 
is has a such a firm hold on being the greatest female MC of all time. She has a firmer hold than any of the guys have on their respective spots. Nicki Minaj is the greatest female rapper of all time. Uh, let me think. But you wouldn't put her in your top 10. So this is my top 10. Big, Pac. I think she does get in the top 10. Okay. You could at least give top 10. Yeah, like she does. Nicki Minaj does get in the top 10. Big, Pac, Rakim, Hove, Nas, Eminem, Wayne, Andre 3000, Ice Cube, and Kim. This, nah, you're man, on I your 10. I mean, not Nicki. I, put, I mean, I, I can't. I Nikki. That's your 10. I put Nicki Minaj just in front of Snoop. Okay. Just in front of Snoop. But you know what? I got to be real. That's like an old nigga list because. Would you have put Kanye before all of this in there? We got to do the list again. Let's do it again. The, the, I, I don't know, man. I don't know because. That list was just off the top of my head, but that list is missing Drake. That list is miss, missing Kendrick Lamar. That list is missing Kanye. What do you Kanye think about her be loss? In the top 10. What do you think about all uh, the memes that are popping up about for me. her loss? It's not for okay. me. It's mm-hmm. not for me. Um, but Drake got to be in the, like a lot of these. Kendrick Lamar got to be in the top 10 somewhere. You know what? I got to take Eminem out. I got I got to take Eminem out. I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. That's a, that's a hard question. I want Nicki to be in there. Just put her in. And Just put her in and figure I, I, out the no, rest No, but later. I want Nikki to be in there because Nikki is, she's the greatest female MC of all time. And I feel like the fact that she wouldn't be in my top 10, 10 means something about me. But I'll would tell you, you put, what you did. You Georgia, you, Georgia, you Georgia, you Georgia'd her. Maybe Georgia'd I Georgia'd her. her. Let me ask you a question. Donnie, pop on. Would you put, I'm asking you guys right now since we're talking about top 10. Would you put Nicki Minaj over Kendrick Lamar all time? I wouldn't. What's the ca- what? What encompasses? Are we just just lyrically, just lyrically? No, just no, songs. No, no, no. no, not that. Not influence. That. Influence. See, that's why I said influence sales, uh, hits, classics. Well, that's why I put Kim in because you know of her, her influence means a lot. Me personally, I'm gonna put uh, Left Eye in before uh, Nicki before Nicki. Left Eye. Before yeah. Kim and Nikki, hey, man, no, not piece. before Kim. But so you got Kim. So you got Kim. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Thank real quick. You. Hold on, real quick. Thank hold on, real you. quick. Hold on, real quick. Hold on, real quick. I can't save you on the this, left side. This, this this is gonna be. <laughs> this is gonna sound like disrespectful when it's really not trying to be. Man, rest in peace, left eye. You're fucking tweaking if you're gonna put left eye in. Over this is Nikki my personal Minaj, list. Donna. Yes, me personal, my personal tastes. You can't argue against that. That this is my taste. It's his truth. It's his truth. Shout out Left Eye is great. You can't put Left Eye over Nicki Minaj, man. You can't. Anyway, I don't know. That's a good question. But you, you know, we'll the- bring. You know, know what we'll do. We'll bring B Dot because we need to do a hip hop centric episode. We'll bring B Dot from Rap Radar on, who likes to make lists and piss everybody off. We'll bring B Dot on, my man B Dot. He'll talk to us about it. Because my top ten. Let me do. Let me do my top ten over. Okay, here we go. Big Pac J. Gotta have them. I said Cube because Cube is one of the ones that, that I that I 
dig, but I got to take Cube out and put Kendrick Lamar in. Rakim has to be in. That's the Marlon Brando of of hip-hop. Nas, okay. I'm going to do Andre 3000, which no one likes when I put him in there, but I got to put him in my top 10. Makes sense to me. Yeah, who's no one? Kanye. Um... Uh, Drake gotta be in the top ten. I'm changing it up. Hmm. Drake have, gotta be in the top. You have 10. one left. I I, I put I, I guess I put Nick Minaj in there, man. Not I guess. Mm. They gotta. I, I I want Nicki to have a. People underestimate people. I think Nicki Minaj is underappreciated for what she's meant. I'm serious. Oh no, I don't disagree with you. I think it's died. I think there was a time when she had it, and I think people have kind of watered it down as time has gone on. I think that's the case. But I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm laughing because you're like, I guess I'll put her in. No, I'm saying it's just hard. The top ten is hard. I mean, sure. as a solo artist, like she's accomplished more than like Andre 3000. She's accomplished more than Rock Camp. You know, whatever, man. Um, all right, that's enough. Um, no one expected out of the week. Fuck everybody. Uh, <laughs> at least for me, Rachel. Do you have one? I had one. I had Go two actually, so I'll give you two. One was I'm not gonna be able to find this. I was really trying to make sure I had an ally of the week too. It was. It was. I'm gonna try to pair for. It was Broadway named a theater after Lena Horne. And I believe this is the first time it had been named after a black woman. And I can't find that. So y'all forgive me if that's wrong. But it was something historic that was done in Lena Horne's name on Broadway. Um, And then the other one was Valerie Bertinelli. She was trending trending on Twitter because she changed her name to Elon Musk. And then was tweeting out all these things that were progressive and, you know, like in support of women and uh, it was it was funny because it popped up and it was like Elon Musk said this and it was like, wow, look, he really changed his stance. She was trending like crazy because um, she did that and then she took it down. So, Valerie. <laughs> All right. Uh, fuck everybody. No, 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 the week. Um, <laughs> take your thing caps off. We'll do not stop learning. I'm Van Lake. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye guys. <laughs>